How many of you know that, uh, that change is inevitable? Come on, you can talk back in this church. How many of you know change is inevitable? Like if there's one consistency about life, it's change. You, you've got to change to keep moving forward. We celebrate change. Matter of fact, um, how many of you know that you celebrate when, uh, when a baby, I, we have a three-year-old. I remember when Jonas went from um, crawling to walking, it was like, oh, look at him, he's walking. You know, like, and videos were sent, right? Everybody's celebrating, you're posting it on social media. Look, he went for, why, a change, a major change happened and it was a great change and it was a progressive change and so everybody celebrated that. You, you celebrate, everybody throws a party when you graduate high school or when you graduate college, why? Because we celebrate we celebrate change, and when there's a birthday, right? If there's if you, if you from come from a good family, you had a birthday party, hopefully, right? If you didn't, we will somebody tell me I will get you a cupcake with a candle, and we'll just celebrate them all in one big birthday. But you, you celebrate these moments of change. You celebrate promotions, moment of change. You celebrate the change from high school to college. You you celebrate the change from living in your house on your payroll to now they're out of your house off your payroll. All the parents said. Amen, in the house of God. And so like, we celebrate change. And here's the deal is we know change is inevitable. And the truth is, is that if you don't change, then you, you stop growing. And when you stop growing, you stop moving forward. So if you don't change, you stay stuck. And you have to change. I think you intuitively know this, that, that if organizations don't change, they don't grow. Hello, Blockbuster. Ain't around no more because they didn't what? They didn't, they didn't change. Churches have to change. I don't know if you know that. Churches are the, church people are the people that hate change the most. I don't know what the deal is with that. Like the whole point of the gospel is Jesus changes you and then you hate change. What is, makes no sense to me at all. Like we should be the most changing people ever because we've been transformed supernaturally by this thing called the gospel. But churches change. You don't change the message. The gospel remains the same, but you gotta keep changing, right? Like we, we used to be one church in one location. Now we're one church in five locations. That's a whole lot of change. We used to be one church in five locations locations in one state. Now we have churches in other states, right? That's a whole lot. You got to keep changing. I'm just going to, I'll go ahead and tell you, if you want to be a part of LifePoint, the one consistency is we're always, we're always changing. Why? Because people matter. The gospel matters. And we got to, if we got to change the method, we're going to keep changing it to reach people. Are you with me? So we like change, but we like the change we choose. We don't like the change we don't choose. We like the change that we choose, that we enact. Like we, we, like the, we like to change the job when we change the job, not because we got laid off from the job. We don't like that change. We, we like the change that, that we made when we started the new hobby, tried the new thing, but we don't like it when it was forced on us because although we like change, we don't like the change that we don't choose. And so because of that, we can get resistant to change. And when change happens in our life, it can throw us off balance. This is what's happened the last 20 months in many of our life is that, is that change was forced upon us rapidly in a short amount of time. Let me say that again. Change was forced upon us, rapid changes, in a short amount of time. And what it did is it destabilized a lot of us. 
And if we're honest, a lot of us are still a little bit like, all right, I'm going to take a step forward, but I need, is it solid? <laughs> is the ground going to move underneath me? Like, I know this is comfortable. I know this is solid. And some of us, we're not moving forward in life. By the way, you need to be here on Vision Sunday. I believe our word for the year is forward. Paul said, forgetting what is behind me, I press forward. Some of us have got stuck and we need to um, get the hair off of me. And we need to... <laughs> We need to move forward, but, but we're kind of concerned to move forward. Why? Because there's been so much change around us. I was, if you're with me, say amen. amen. I was reading this book. Um, I'm still not through it all the way, so I don't endorse it yet. Um, and I even thought about not giving you the name of the book, but I knew some of you OCD people, it would drive you nuts. <laughs> and so I'll give you the name of the book. It's called Plato's Lemonade Stand. And um, it's, uh, it's, he's a modern day philosopher. And it's all about change. How do you stir change into something great in your life? And he gave this great illustration that I want to give you as we launch into this series called Grounded. And how do we stay grounded in the middle of change and in the middle of what can feel chaotic in our life? But he gave this illustration of a wheel. And he said this. He said, if you live life at the outer rim of the wheel, then when life begins to spin, when you live out here, the spinning has a multiplied and an exponential effect on you and it feels much more chaotic. But the closer you move to the center of the wheel, the wheel can keep spinning, but you don't spin. You don't feel it as much. So we got Captain Hook here, everybody. So we're gonna put Captain Hook on the wheel. Captain Hook is taped to the outer rim of the wheel. And for some of you, this is what life feels like. And I thought about putting a GoPro on there, but I didn't wanna make everyone sick at all of our campuses and online. But this is what life is, feels like for the last 20 months, maybe more, maybe the last week, maybe you got news, I don't know. But it feels like this is that no matter how, even at a slow pace, it's like, uh, and it's like, I get to the top and then it's like down again. And it's like, somebody please let me off of this merry-go-round. Please somebody get me off this Ferris wheel. And if you're watching Captain Hook, you may be getting sick right now. And this feels like life, and it's uh, another variant, and the inflation's going up, and now gas is $6 a gallon, and now I may get laid off, and now I gotta quarantine again, and then I got exposed again, and now I've quarantined half of my life. I've not been out of my house in 12 months because I keep running into people that I'm potentially exposed to. And are y'all following me? Like this is real life happening right now. And sometimes it's slow, and then sometimes it just feels like life is just going, going, going. And for some of us, this is our life. And so the next headline steals my joy and the next bad news gets my peace. And I can't, I don't feel like I ever get grounded. I can't find any foundation. And it's like, I don't even want any news because no news is good news. And I don't want to read another headline and I don't want another text and I don't want another phone call. And so I just rather stay right here and hunker down and close my eyes and don't anybody talk to me and don't anybody get around me. And instead, Instead of moving forward in life and instead of having any progress, which we're going to get to that to the end of the month because I got to get you grounded first. 
But I'm just telling you, if you could figure out in life how to move closer and closer to the center of the will, because I, I don't want to lie to you and say that God's going to stop life from spinning. So maybe the goal isn't that you wait to start living life when the wheel stops spinning. Maybe there's another solution. Maybe you figure out how to get closer and closer and closer to the center of the will so that you don't feel the effects of the will. It doesn't mean the wheel will stop spinning. It means you will stop spinning. And some of you, the last 20 months, has you spinning all over the place. And the Bible says that you're supposed to be in this world, but not of this world. And there is a way for you to walk through this world with a peace that passes understanding. There is a way for you to walk through this world solid and attached and built on a foundation that every little wind that blows around doesn't knock you off kilter. Can I just say something to you? If you're a follower of Jesus, there should be something different about you. And some of the posts I've seen, doesn't seem very different. And I think it's because we're living life on the outside of the wheel. And everything that hits us is like, whoa. So over the next four weeks, I want to show you how to live grounded. I want to show you how to live centered, how to live grounded, so that when change and chaos comes around you, it doesn't get in you. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. So I'm gonna give you four things over the next four weeks. And I'll just tell you, none of them are groundbreaking, but if you'll do them, it will be groundbreaking in your life. And, and I would imagine none of them are things you don't know. It just may be things that we don't consistently do. And I promise you, if you do them, it'll, it'll make a massive difference in your life. Number one is this. If you're a note taker, I want you to write. I'm gonna give you some things to write down. If you're not a note taker, I'm gonna give you some things to write down, all right? So number one is this, is how do I stay grounded? I think one of the number one things you do, and, and this, you're, you're not gonna be like, oh, I never thought of that, but I hope I help you think about it in a different way today, and that's this. It is the power of prayer in your life. Power of prayer in your life. The Bible says this. Paul wrote this in 1 Thessalonians. He said, rejoice always, pray. Everybody say it with me. Pray continually. Pray Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will. You wanna know God's will? I can tell you God's will for 2022. Pray continually. Pray continually. Look what the scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Never stop, never stop praying. Pastor, does that mean I'm supposed to like walk around just like, hey, thank you, Jesus, for this day. I'm so grateful for you. Like, if people are like, what are you doing? I'm praying. Like, no. It's, it's a spirit of prayer, it's a, it's a heart posture, it's a, it's a, before I do anything else, I'm gonna pray. Before I go into that meeting, I'm gonna pray. Before I make a decision, I'm gonna pray. Before I walk into 
that sales meeting, I'm gonna pray. Before I go into school, I'm gonna pray. It's just this like, God, I'm gonna be in this constant kind of conversation, this constant communication with you all throughout the day that I'm not gonna relegate prayer to something I do before my meal. I'm not gonna relegate prayer to something that I do whenever I'm in a really bad situation and I need God to come through for me. I'm not gonna relegate prayer to just something that, that I do when I'm at church on Sunday or something that I do when I wake up in the morning. No, I'm just, I'm gonna get into this place where Prayer is just this constant, ongoing conversation that I have with the Father. The disciples were, were listening to Jesus, I think, pray. And they says, on one day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show them that they should, everybody say it with me, they should always, always pray and never give up. That they should always pray and never give up. I love this quote from Smith Wigglesworth. He was a a revivalist, and um, his ministry was marked by a lot of miracles and healings. He said this, I don't often spend more than a half hour in prayer, but I never go more than half an hour without praying. In other words, I don't want you to leave going, oh goodness, I've got to get up and figure out how to pray for an hour every day or something. No, I'm just saying maybe don't go an hour without praying, though. That maybe it would be this ongoing conversation all throughout your day that, that you're on the drive into work and, 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 and maybe, for, maybe, maybe just go, like, I'm gonna do this for the month of January. Like, I'm, I'm all about helping you take steps and take small bites. Maybe I'm gonna turn Sirius XM off and I'm just, I'm gonna talk to God on the drive in or, or just maybe, maybe I'm gonna make prayer that... Let me say it this way. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. That, that I wouldn't get to a situation where I'm like, all I know to do now is pray. Like I've done everything else I do. No, no, no. That, that I'm about to walk into the sales meeting. I would go, God, give me the words to say. Give me favor. I pray that you'd open doors that, that I couldn't open on my own. And, and then... I'll just have that conversation with God. God, I'm about to go into this conversation. God, I'm about to go to school today. And I just, I need, I pray that you'd help me, you know, what, God, I, I just thank you for this day. God, whatever it just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make prayer the first thing that it's gonna be my go-to. It's gonna, it doesn't have to be these long, like, well, pastor, I'm not good at praying. I've had people tell me that. I'm not good at praying. I'm like, are you good at talking? Like, prayer is a conversation with God. Can you talk? Can you take words and form sentences which turn into paragraphs. Like, if you can do that, you can pray. You can have a, con it's, it's just like expressing your heart to God. Are, are y'all with me? Yeah. So I, I, wanna, I wanna motivate you. I want to inspire. I want to challenge you that prayer would be this like ongoing. John, let me show you another place. John 15, the apostle John writes about it this way. He says, remain in me and I remain in you. And he gives this, this metaphor, this analogy. He says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And then Jesus, he says this, I'm the vine, you're the branch. So he gives this metaphor. I'm the vine. He's talking about like a vineyard. I'm the vine, you're the branch. If if a man remains in me, in other words, the branch stays connected to vine and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Let me say it this way. He will stay grounded. He'll stay centered. If you remain in him and he in you. And apart from me, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, ah, 
We're all dying, the world's going to hell, everything's horrible, and the government didn't fix it like they promised. I really thought this was the time it was all gonna happen. Are you following me? Jesus is like, no, no, stay connected to me. Prayer is a good starting point to stay connected to the Father, to stay grounded. Are you with me? And so I'm gonna give you some very practical tools, very practical handles on how do I make that? How do I, how do I, how do I remain in the vine? How do I make prayer my first response, my, not my last resort? How do I make that like, how do I get that built into my life if it's not currently built into your life? So I'm gonna give you very practical things, four things that I want you to, to write down. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Number one is this, is make it a priority. Really that simple. It's, it's not rocket science. It's, it's, it's gotta be a priority in your life. It, it can't be the last thing. It's gotta be the first thing. It, it can't be like the, the if, if all else fails, pull this handle called prayer. No, it's gotta be before all else fails. Like go after this thing. This is, this is the life of Daniel in the Old Testament, a really phenomenal character and name. <laughs> See if you're awake. So Daniel found out that the king says, you gotta bow down to this false god. And it said when he learned that the decree had been published, he went to his home upstairs in the room um, with the window that opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. This wasn't anything new. It wasn't like, there's a decree that came out, and if I don't bow to this false God that the king has built, then I'm gonna be in a world of trouble, and so I better go pray. No, he was just like, this is what I do. Three times a day, I pray. And so it was just part of his natural routine. It was a priority in his life. It's gotta be the First response, not the last resort. It's got to, there's got to be a mindset shift and a heart shift in you that goes, prayer's the priority. And, and, and it, 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 it may take a little bit. It's like working out, you know, for the first time. It's like this feels awkward a little bit. I got to work my way into this. I can't, it, it may take, oh, wait, I need to, oh, I didn't, I didn't pray about that. I need to stop for a moment. But over time, it becomes the priority. Are you with me? Say Amen. Number two is this, is you find a sacred space. Find a sacred space. In other words, pray throughout your day, but I think there should be a moment where you, where you stop, where you pause, where you, where you have a sacred space where you pray. And, and it, it doesn't have to be a church building. It, it, could, be, it could be a morning walk, and that, that's your sacred space. It could be the drive to work or to school, that could be the sacred space. It could literally be your closet. For some of you with kids, it may be your only quiet place in the house, like I'm locking myself in my closet. It, it, may, be, it may be the home office, it may be the back porch, it may, I don't know where, but, but find a space where you go, no, this is where I meet with God. You know, we, we see the story of the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prayed the night before he was betrayed and, and the whole scene of the week of the crucifixion would play out. But most scholars believe that the, the Garden of Gethsemane was his go-to sacred space. That the night that he was betrayed, it wasn't a one-time thing. And it wasn't like, okay, here, this is the big night. Let's go to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's a really cool scene. But from the Garden of Gethsemane, and I've been there many times, you can see the whole old city of Jerusalem. 
And many scholars believe it's where he went to pray for Jerusalem. He had a sacred space, I think. Where's your sacred space? Like the space you set aside where you go, if nothing else goes right, this is, this is the place I'm gonna meet with God. This is the place where I'm gonna have the conversation with God. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it a priority. I think you gotta find a space. Number, the Bible says this, that Jesus got up early in the morning. I'm not saying you have to do early in the morning, but I think there is something about starting your day with the mindset of prayer, with seeking God first in your day. And he left the house, and what did he do? He got up to go to a solitary place where he, where he prayed. Number three is come with a plan. Come with a plan. I love this verse because Jesus was in a certain place praying. I think his disciples were listening to him. And as he finished, one of them came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples to pray. And Jesus said, you should pray this way. And then he gave him the Lord's prayer. Notice he didn't say this is what you should pray. Not bad to recite the Lord's prayer, but the Lord's prayer is a model of how to pray. And in 21 days of prayer, we have resources. We'll teach you how to pray the Lord's prayer. But he, I think he over, they overheard him praying and they say, teach, we wanna learn how to do that. We, we want a strategy. We want a plan. Can I tell you something? I believe, I believe your prayer time with God, I honestly believe this. I so want this for you. I believe your prayer time with God can get to a place where you're like, God, I gotta go. I, I wish I could stay here 20 more minutes. I'm just telling you, it can get to that place. It can get to the place where you're just like, oh, I'm gonna text them and tell them I'm gonna be late because I just need to hang out here in prayer with Jesus for about 15 more minutes. I just wish I had another half hour. And how do you do that? Part of that is you come with a plan. You come with a plan. You don't just like come and be like, well, I've run out of things to say. This is awkward, amen, bye. Take off, you know, it's like, now come with a plan. What do you mean with the plan, Pastor? Well, come with like, in 21 days of prayer, we'll teach you. Like there's models of prayer. The Lord's Prayer, it's a model for how to walk through prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, start with honor and worship of God. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Pray that his kingdom comes in the earth, what his will is in my life. Give us this day. Pray for your needs. There's a model. Are you, are you following me? The tabernacle in the Old Testament, you can walk through the things of the tabernacle, the, the furniture pieces, and it gives you a model for how to pray. There's warfare. We'll teach you all these things through 21 days of prayer, but come with a plan. Create a, create a week plan. Maybe it's Monday is, is the day I pray over my family and my children and my extended family, and, and on Tuesdays, I pray over these things, and on Wednesdays, I, there's nothing wrong. Well, well it doesn't, that isn't, is that not spiritual? Like, aren't I supposed to just like get on my knees and like wait till I feel something? Like, how would that go with the rest of your relationships? I mean, what if you were hanging out with a buddy and was like, wait, I gotta feel something before we start talking. They'd be like, bro, you're weird. What happened to you? Like, you need counseling. No, you just, he wants to have a conversation with you. I want you to pour out your heart before him. Come with a plan, though. I promise you, you come with a plan, you'll find yourself going, oh, I need more time. 
And I have a feeling that many of us, when we've tried to pray, we're like, we're done and we're like, that was only 90 seconds? Or I don't know what else to do now. Now come with a plan. There's nothing unspiritual about coming with a plan. Come with a plan, I think you'll find. I think you'll find the time flies and your desire for it grows. Now, let me give you number four. Are you with me still? Say amen. amen. Number four. This is the most important one. So I need you to lean in. Like this, this is the one that if you get it, whew, it's so good. If you understand this, I think a lot of times we don't spend time in prayer because we don't understand what is happening supernaturally while we pray. And this is the whole point. Number four, write this down, is this, is develop intimacy with God. So here's what I want you to understand. Prayer is not about getting what we want from God. Prayer is us connecting with God, knowing God and God's shape. Here's what I like to say this way. Prayer isn't about me changing God. Prayer is about God changing me. Are you with me? Prayer is about God changing me. And so in prayer, that's how I develop my intimacy. Like, how could I ever develop my relationship with my wife if I never talked to her? And so how can I ever expect to develop intimacy with the Father if I'm not in this ongoing conversation with him and, not this, and I'm not expressing my heart to him? And so I want you to understand, that I need you to really hang with me on this. If you're with me, say amen. Because I'm, we're gonna dive deep for just a few minutes. Like we're gonna, go, we're gonna go down like 400 feet and then back up, but you won't get like bubbles in your chest and air and all that from scuba diving they do. We're going deep real fast, all right? And then we're gonna come back out for air. Are you with me? When you pray, I want you to understand what's happening when you pray as it relates to God, because God is made up of three persons and we don't have time to go into the, the Trinity and how confusing that can be. But there is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, okay? And so when you pray, I want you to understand what is happening with all three persons of what is called the Godhead, okay? And, and Paul gives us this beautiful understanding of how to see God and how to see him in prayer in the benediction or the closing st statements or closing thoughts of 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And he says it this way, and he hits all three of them in this one, one verse. He says, the amazing grace of the master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Man, that, that's, as your pastor, that's so my prayer for you, that the amazing grace of the master Jesus Christ and the extravagant love of the Father and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit, like, like that would be with you, not just on Sundays, but every day, that you would know that. But he also, I want you to say that this is how, he shows us how to see God in prayer and, and I wanna break these three down as, as I close with you real quick. So hang with me. Number one is this, the amazing grace of Jesus. Here's what the scripture says about Jesus. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. So because of that, here's what we get to do. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So 
Let me break this down for you. In the Old Testament, are you still with me? I'm really concerned that you get this. In the Old Testament, for the people to go to God, they had to go through a priest. And the priest would once a year go into the Holy of Holies and make sacrifices for their sins so that they could be forgiven. But the Bible says, I'm giving you really a lot of, lot of content in a moment. The Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, the veil between them and the Holy of Holies was torn in two, or King James I went on, rent in twain. <laughs> That's what I grew up on, y'all. It was torn in half. And so now we can come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in our hour of need. So watch this, hang with me. So. When I pray and I come before God and I go, God, like my attitude, my speech, the things I did, the, the, egg, the eggnog with that stuff in it that I drank too much of. Come on, don't lie. God, I, I'm so sorry I bring that to you. Here's what's happening supernaturally is we're going, Jesus, I bring all this to you. And Jesus goes, I got it, Daniel. I got you. I know what it's like to be tempted with that. I know what it's like. I know what that's like. I know, I know, I know what it's like to feel that alone. You've been betrayed? Oh, I know, I know. I know that feeling all too well. You've been cast aside? Yeah, I know that feeling well. Because I'm a high priest that's been touched with the things you've been touched with. I walked that road. I felt that pain. I endured that temptation, but I did it without sin. So I have a high priest that when I pray, I can come to him with confidence. Check this out. I mean, come on, this, this, this should blow up some of your religious mindset. I can bring my sin with confidence. Some of you think you can only bring to God the good you, the polished you, the religious you, the blessed and highly favored you, the good morning brother and sister in the Lord. Who talks like that anyways? That's so weird. Like, you think you can only bring that you too, but he says, no, no, no. He was without sin. Let us then approach with confidence so that we might find grace and receive mercy. Why would you need grace and mercy if you weren't messed up? And so he says, I can come, I can come with confidence to know that to know before I ever pray the prayer, I know confidently that mercy and grace are coming my way because I have a high priest who has felt what I felt, who's been tempted the way I was tempted, yet without sin. And so then here's what he says: watch this. He says, by grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness, so I don't have to come and only show God my strong side. I can show God my weak side because of the, the amazing grace of the master. And so when I pray, the amazing grace of the master, his mercy covers me so I can come to him with confidence. And he goes, I got this, Daniel. And you know what he does? He takes my mess and my prayers to the extravagant love of the Father because he's forever at the right hand of the Father making intercession on my... Right now, Jesus is talking to God about me. And right now, Jesus is talking to God about you. He's forever making intercession on my behalf. And he's going, he's going, Father, 
Yeah, he's, he, yeah, he blew it. But Father, I know how he feels. Father, I know, I know what she's struggling with. I've been tempted in the same way. It's hard. It's hard. The enemy is for real, and he's prowling around, and he's trying to destroy Father. And you know what the Bible teaches us? Is that the Father doesn't go, again? Oh my goodness, I'm so tired of these kids. Now the Bible says that it's the extravagant love of the Father that meets the amazing grace of the Master. And Paul said, it's for this reason I kneel before the Father. I don't kneel because I'm afraid of Him. I don't kneel because I'm cowering in fear of Him. The Ephesian church would have understand the Jewish implications that a child would kneel before their earthly father out of reverence and honor because it was known that when they knelt before the father, the father would bring them close and embrace them. So they didn't kneel out of fear. They kneeled out of love. And so when I kneel before the father, because I've made my request known, the amazing grace of Jesus brings it to the father and the father goes, not get away. He goes, come closer. This is what's happening in prayer. It's not now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep. No, it's God. Here's what's really going on in my heart. And Jesus goes, I get it. Father, he's dealing with this again. And the father goes, come closer. Come let me love you more. Come let me respond to you more. Because Psalms 103 teaches me that the Lord is compassionate and gracious and he's slow to anger and he's abounding in love. He'll not always accuse, nor does he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Thank God for that. Or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the love for those who fear him as far as the east is from the West, not those who are afraid of him. It goes on to say, so far as he's removed our transgressions from us, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And here's the deal. Some of you, I'm praying today you get a revelation of a heavenly father because your earthly father has made you think that God is a God you should cower in fear. And you're filtering your heavenly father through the lens of your earthly father. And I'm praying you get a revelation of the amazing grace of the master Jesus and the extravagant love of the father. And then when you say amen, it's not over. You know why? because you have the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. So when you say amen, you go on about your day, the Holy Spirit, like, let's go. The word in the Greek for the, oh, you still with me? The word in the Greek for the Holy Spirit is parakletes. 
which means one who comes alongside. (laughs) You're never alone. You got one that came alongside you. When you said amen and got up and thought your prayer was over and now I'll have to go make it work myself. No, no, no. You've got one alongside you. So pastor, you're telling me that whenever I get in my car that there's one alongside me. Yeah, so if you need to pray, just call out. There's the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. You mean when I walk into that business deal tomorrow, there's one alongside me? Yeah, there is. Prayer will change when you realize there's one alongside me that I'm never alone. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I pray that you know the amazing grace of the master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of the Father, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. It'll get you off of here. Another headline, another. No, 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 I've got the amazing grace of the master Jesus. I've got the extravagant love of the Father. I've got the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. I'm living grounded, no matter the headlines, no matter what the job does, no matter what happens at my school, I've got one that has come alongside me, that is walking with me. You have that, I have that, we should live grounded. Do you receive the word today? Come on, if you receive it, put your hands together. Come on, this is your year, you're living grounded. You're not gonna be blown around by every wind that blows. You're not gonna have things steal your joy, rob you of your confidence. It's not happening this year. I just declare it over your life right now. It's not happening this year. You're gonna live grounded. You're not gonna let the news cycle. Your social media feed, people in your life, people at work, no, no, no. Not this year, you're living grounded, rooted. Step one is prayer. It's not just something before a meal. It's not just something, the last resort when things aren't going our way, no, 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 no. It's the amazing grace of Jesus. It's the extravagant love of the Father. It's the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. It's not so we get something from God, it's so God gets more of us and we become more like him. Will you pray with me at every location, everybody online? If you would bow your heads and close your eyes just for a few minutes. For some of you, when I talked about the amazing grace of Jesus and the the thought that you can bring your brokenness confidently to him, You never thought about that, never realized that. You always thought that you had to do some things to make God happy with you. Never realized that his grace is available for you. Never realized that the Father has extravagant love for you. Some of you, you need a new beginning. You need a fresh start. You need today to know that your sins are forgiven, that you have peace with God. And I believe there's many of you that you don't have that confidence. You don't know that for sure. I'm not asking you if you are a member of a church or have done some religious things. That, that won't do much for you. 
I'm asking you, do you know Jesus? Do you know that you have peace with God? In just a moment, we're gonna pray together as a church. I wanna give you an opportunity to have that very thing, to know that, to know that, that your sins are forgiven. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. In other words, if you say, God, I'm putting you at the center of my life. You believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Today, I wanna give you that opportunity to have a, a fresh start at the beginning of a fresh year. So we're gonna pray in just a moment. I wanna know who I'm praying with, and so I'm gonna count to three in just a second. I'm gonna ask you to shoot your hand up high enough and long enough for myself or your campus pastor to see. No one's gonna come to you, wouldn't point you out, wouldn't embarrass you for the world, but if that's you today on three, you just shoot your hand up. One, two, three, just shoot it up high. God bless you, God bless you, I see you. See you there in the back to my right, left. You can put them down. Hey church, let's all pray together out loud for the benefit of those who just slipped their hand up. Would you just say, Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. Today I make you my Lord and Savior. Thank you for a brand new beginning. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate those. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Feel free to rate, review, and share with a friend. If you'd like to find out how you can get involved or partner with us financially, visit lifepoint.org or download the LifePoint app. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart. See you soon.